Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to tell you about the DSO fraternity. The DSO fraternity is the members-only portion of my website at dadstartingover.com. And you can learn more about it at dadstartingover.com slash join for $14.99 per month or $149 for the entire year. You get access to all three of my books at no additional charge. You can download a PDF directly to your computer or you can stream the audio of the book live on your computer or phone, or you can download the MP3 file. You also get access to private discussion groups on Facebook, and you also get to attend live member meetings on Zoom. We have approximately three meetings every single week on a variety of different topics. We have members from all over the world who attend. Don't forget we also have member-only articles along with member-only audio for you to enjoy. And lastly, if you were looking at one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself or one of our other three coaches and were scared off by the pricing, pricing for DSO fraternity members is considerably less. So again, give it a shot. Check it out at dadstartingover.com join. And now on to today's episode. When I talk about my own personal awakening during my post-divorce life, I usually mean in terms of recognizing the underlying truths and relationships and the psychology of my fellow human beings ladies in particular, accepting reality and not what should be, in other words. The recurring subtext of this awakening is just how mind-numbingly stupid men are when it comes to their relationships with women. My first glimpse into this baffling male behavior, you know, other than my own special blend of stupid, came very early on. My ex-wife had just moved out, the kids were at their grandparents' house, and I had a rare night home alone. I was feeling very down. I decided to send a text message to a guy that my therapist had put me in touch with. His story is a lot like yours, she told me. He didn't text me back, but instead immediately called me. I don't like texting and I'm glad you reached out, he told me. It turns out he was eagerly awaiting my call and he couldn't wait to share his story and get things off his chest. He talked a mile a minute. Of course, there were many similarities between our stories. He was the first guy who clued me into how all the guy stories are the same. Let me guess. She did this, and then she did that, right? It was like I was talking to some kind of psychic medium. Did he have cameras in my house or something? It was creepy how he knew everything. His story sure was interesting. His world was flipped upside down when he discovered that his wife and mother of his two children was not only having an affair, 
but an affair with a woman. She proclaimed that she was now gay and probably always had been. Ouch. He told me all the details of their storybook life. Kids, his long hours at work, her going back to school, and then bam, he sees messages from some guy. Bam, they're having an affair. Bam, oh wait, it's a woman. Bam, she's moving out. And bam, she wants the girls to live with her and her new lover most of the time in a little two-bedroom apartment in a nice, not-so-nice part of town. This was quite the five-punch combo. Jesus, I thought I had it bad. He says it looks like he's going to have to spend some money and hire an attorney to fight for 50-50 custody, or better yet, majority custody. She doesn't work, so he probably has a pretty good chance. So I ask him, Oh, is she going to try and come after you for money, alimony, child support, stuff like that, I asked. Well, here's the kicker. Wait for it. He says... No, my wife wouldn't do that. Everyone always asks me that, but I know my wife better than anyone, and she's not the type of person to go after me for money like that. This is the guy who just told me all these stories about having his life yanked out from under him by a wife who had an affair with another woman and is currently trying to take the kids away from him so that they can all live happily in the lover's new shitty apartment. And after all that, he's saying that he knows his wife and that she wouldn't do something like come after his money. My initial reaction was to actually chuckle, because surely he was joking, right? But no, he was dead serious. This poor man was conditioned, in complete denial. This guy probably saw more red flags than a Chinese parade during the course of his relationship. He didn't do a damn thing about any of them, and he still had his head in the sand about his cheating wife. His current situation wasn't just a continuation of more and more red flags. His situation was the result of years of ignored red flags, and they were probably signs of even more inevitable bad things to come. So dude, it's time to lawyer up and protect yourself. All hands on deck. But no, his wife wouldn't do that. He knows her far too well. I have heard some variation of this more than a few times. Usually it's when a man starts complaining about his wife and her new, or not new, just amplified, confusing behavior. Quote, she's hanging out with the girls from work all the time. She's ignoring the kids. The house is a mess. She's always at work. She works at the gym all the time. She goes down to the basement and listens to music for hours instead of being with the family. She's opened up her own bank account. I caught her texting some guy. I caught her lying about something. And then somebody says to him, uh, do you think she's cheating on you? Oh, no, dude. She would never do that. She's not like that. She's very much against cheating. She always has been. Uh Uh-huh. What you're seeing is blatant denial. But why? Because a large part of the man's reality is based on one giant myth, that his wife is the one. And as the one, she is above all of those basic stupid negative qualities that so many normal humans have. To think that she would lower herself to such things, no way, not his wife. What about if Miss Perfect mothered his children? Oh shit, then she's got moral superiority points from now until the end of time. Mothers do not do things like that. And then he finds out. She really was capable of that thing that she said she would never do. Damn. Well, but you know what? No, no. She may have done that bad thing, but she would never do this other bad thing. I know her. Deep down, she's good. Going one step further into awfulness? No, no, not her. You see, he keeps moving the goalposts. He keeps changing the rules so that she never wins the coveted she's just an awful human being after all trophy. 
To men with no boundaries and a fear of conflict, and the subsequent abandonment that results from it, there's no choice but to put the woman at a higher level than him. She is the beacon of hope in a world filled with dread and anxiety. If that crumbles, well then what's he have left to lean on? To put it, to put it in wise grandpa terms, the boy done put the pussy on a pedestal. And this starts when we are young. The hormones kick in. Puberty happens. Girls start looking very interesting. A boy who just wants to go up to that cute girl in class and say, you're really pretty, will you be my girlfriend? Well, he wouldn't dare to do that. Because she's a, be- a beacon of beauty and sunshine. Just the thought of being rejected by her makes his face feel flush. He prefers to keep her at a safe distance so he can marvel at her beauty. And this guarantees that he doesn't experience the awfulness of rejection. And then Jimmy, the confident and really tall kid in class, well, he walks right up to her one day and says, You're hot. You should be my girlfriend. And with that, they are officially a couple. You see, Jimmy knew one thing. She's just a girl. She's a pretty girl, but she's just a girl. She poops. She farts. She gets sick. She picks her nose. She has dandruff. She drools when she sleeps. She's a human being. She has no superpowers. The worst she can say is, no. And then who cares? A no from her has no more power than the no he got from mom and dad that morning before school. No more power than when his coach said no at practice yesterday. A no is just a one-word syllable which means, it ain't happening here, go try somewhere else. Oh, alright, no biggie. To the sad sap, chatting up Miss Perfect is a monumental feat in overcoming fear and anxiety. It's the same as jumping out of a plane. His heart is pumping. He's thinking of all the right things to say. He doesn't want to look like a moron. But to Jimmy, he's just a girl. And then the teen years. As we mature and become horny, out-of-control teen boys, the pedestalization of women gets amplified even further. We are torn between feelings of romance and love and unbridled testosterone-fueled horniness. We dream of walking hand-in-hand with Miss Perfect and talking on the phone for hours and going to the movies. And we also fantasize about banging her in the basement on the washing machine. During the spin cycle, of course. Our sad sap sits around with his buddies, staring at Miss Perfect during lunch. Man, I would eat a mile-long trail of her shit just to get to that ass, his friend says. The boys all laugh. It's hilarious and gross, but the message is clear. She is a goddess. Her value is beyond measure. Oh, the things that you would do just to spend five filthy minutes with her. And then, oh great, here comes tall Jimmy again. He walks right up to Miss Perfect, puts his arm around her. She leans into him and smiles. Wait, wasn't he going out with Miss Hottie last week? What's he doing with Miss Perfect today? Man, these pretty girls, they just love these assholes. No, Jimmy is not an asshole. He's just not intimidated. He sees what he wants. And he goes for it. He learned early on not to be intimidated. He can take rejection from a girl. Remember, you don't see the 18 other times that he struck out. You just see the home runs. And then, adulthood. Ironically, it's rare that our timid hero is not married during early adulthood. You'd think he would be the one to not have women in his life, but no. He's the type of guy that jumps on the first woman that gives him attention. And it just snowballs from there. Here's what the typical timeline sounds like. Number one, they were high school classmates or they met in college. Number two, she asked him out or he was pushed by friends to talk to her. 
Number three, the attention from her is overwhelmingly positive. He quickly dedicates himself to her. Instant monogamous relationship. What are the chances that he meets the one perfect girl for him and in math class? Wow, weird how the universe works. Number four, he hasn't had a woman before her or since he met her. Number five, he deals with many red flags during their relationship, but he always looks at her good side. He thinks he's a better person because of this. And then number six, she leaves him. She usually cites their early relationship and lack of experience as motivation. An affair is discovered. This is usually after children are already in the picture. This is all the result of the childhood female pedestalization continuing on into adulthood. He still doesn't dare approach women, so it, it took a woman to come to him or friends to push him to a woman that they feel was a good match for him. Usually this woman has the more masculine strong energy to his more feminine soft energy. So now that he actually has attained the dream of getting a woman's attention for more than five minutes, he'll do whatever he can to keep her around. This is like becoming buddies with a celebrity. Oh, we're going to go out and party at 3 a.m. and do drugs now? Okay, sounds cool, Mr. Rockstar. Can I get a photo of us together for Facebook? She usually grows tired of the lack of resistance and longs for somebody with a little more spunk and backbone. This knocks her guard down, and she repeatedly approaches the inappropriate line. It does, doesn't take much to convince her to cross the line, and that's when it's a fair time. But let's not beat up on the poor guy too much. It's easy for, to write him off as just being an anxious dude, but it's not really all his fault. Society itself doesn't help. As much as we strive for equality between the sexes, we can't deny that there are differences. We try our best to push down the innate biology, but society knows. We all know. We just ain't the same. Case in point. The boat is going down. You have an hour before it goes under completely and everyone dies in the cold Atlantic. It's time to deploy the lifeboats. What does the captain yell out? Women and children first. We're all well aware of this phrase. It's been popularized in movies for years. And yes, it does happen in real life. There's a basic evolutionary basis behind this phenomenon. As far as survival of the community is concerned, the women and kids are more valuable. Her eggs are scarce, and the kids can go on to create lots more kids during their lifetime. Men? We're a dime a dozen. You could also argue that the men are physically stronger than the women and children, and so they have a much higher chance of survival on their own. But in, case, in the case of the sinking ship, no amount of testosterone will keep a man from drowning. Regardless of the reason why, a man who pushes ahead of a woman for a seat on a lifeboat will be severely chastised by his community. Know your place, homeboy. This men are disposable and women are wonderful theme permeates everything in our popular culture. And yes, this disposable wonderful phenomenon is a form of sexism. It's a perversion of the biological difference between men and women. It makes the men out to be strong, respected, violent, impulsive, and replaceable. And women are more thoughtful, timid, empathetic, silly, disrespected, but prized. For the man who already has a natural inclination to put women on a pedestal, the societal pressure to do so pushes them over the edge into full-blown denial and maybe even an unhealthy level of worship. And then on to the friend zone. For the sad sap not in a romantic relationship, he'll very often have a lot of female friends. Why is that? Well, because they're less threatening to him for one. He doesn't like the feeling he gets when hanging around other men. He feels intimidated and vulnerable. 
he's sensitive to the underlying hierarchy that exists amongst men, and he's admittedly at the bottom of the man pyramid. He's also convinced that he can have a more open and honest form of friendship with women. If you strip away the testosterone and all the stupid male competition, you're left with honesty and empathy, right? Right? While our sap hopes to escape the primitive and shallow behavior that he perceives with his male friends, but he doesn't realize he's also knee-deep in, in that world with his female friends. He's just blinded by their beauty and their female ways. Completely platonic male-female relationships are extremely rare. There is normally some form of a give and take. Usually he gives and she takes. He has no boundaries. She is fully aware of that dynamic at play. Girls get their homework done for them. Women get free drinks and a shoulder to cry on. Our sap probably wishes that he was in a, in a romantic relationship with one or more of his female friends. Obviously, he can't tell them this outright. He hopes that his emotion-laden friendship will win him romantic points, and she will eventually open up to him sexually. If he eventually gets up the nerve to ask her out, it will be way too late. Due to his excessively emotional and needy behavior, he has ruined any chance of being romantic with her. He's just another girlfriend. He feels used. He feels angry because she's not seeing that he is the perfect guy for her because silly, delicate flower of a girl just can't understand such things. He gets mad that the Jimmies of the world who will, will win her affection so easily. Years of pedestalization and worship won't even get him to first base. Yet, he sticks by her side. In fact, he will be there to protect her and listen to her when she cries about her relationships with other men. He's on the back burner, and he knows it. He's cool with that because she's a woman, and she's on a pedestal. So my advice is to wake up. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Do people say to you things like, Man, I never understood what you saw in her. You were way out of her league. Or, dude, you need to stop being a doormat. She's taking advantage of you. Or, dude, why do you put up with that from her? You see, you are as disposable as you want to be. You have value. Your wife, quote, wouldn't do that? Well, yes, she would. Of course she would. She's a human. We are all capable of awfulness. She is not different. Her vagina gives her no key to the kingdom of heaven. She's not a magical being worthy of fear. You don't have to walk on eggshells around her. You can tell her no. You can tell her to knock it off. You show her the same respect you give to men by treating her as an equal. She is one of a billion, so knock her ass off the pedestal. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, 
and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.